everything is a threesome, you know, like, and so there is the, there's a third force, which is like what keeps those two polarities coming together and coming apart again. One way to say it is polarities and then the relationship is the third force. Mm. Mm. Yes. There is a type that there is an alchemy that um, something about that relationship is not only attractive, but it's also really challenging and and it's going to be transformative. All of you people are cosmic lot. <laughs> We're adding some new insults to the BHG vocabulary. The big hormone enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovich, uh, sexual self president with Wing 458 Trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self president sexual 9 with 1974 Trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an 8 Wing 7, sexual self president with 854 Fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self president social 3 Wing 4 with a If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. All right. Welcome to Big Hormone Enneagram. It is your uh, Enneagram himbos today, minus Nancy. And uh, we don't know what we talked about today. <laughs> We're talking today about uh, the law of three in relationships and in types. Uh, we talked specifically, about nines. Specifically nines in the, in the bottom of the Enneagram. It's just nine representing the yes, and the gap between four and five is representing the no, and the relationship between them is three forces and how that plays in relationships and basically everything. So before we get into it, uh, we got some plugs, of course. We got Please Buy My Book, The Instinctual Drives in the Enneagram on Bookshop and Amazon. Please leave reviews. How's the uh, sales on that going, by the way? What's... Uh, they're pretty good. I mean, it's, it's pretty just like, like consistent, which is you know, great. Like It's not dipping off or anything. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, every day I sell between like 5 and 12 books. That's great. Damn, every day. So, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, it yep. feels pretty good. It feels like people are... And, and more people are always saying, you know, they've, they've read it or it was recommended to them. And mm-hmm. uh, I spoke to a group the other day for New Ventures West that was like doing it as part of their training thing or something. And Oh, wow. That's excellent. good. Yeah, it's been cool. So uh, we got that. We got David's Trifix book, uh, booklet, book, audio guide or video, visual guide, sorry, uh, on anygrammar.com and anysite.com. It's not just good for just learning Trifix, but like to getting each flavor of each type in an aesthetic way in a non-verbal way you know it's pretty hard for people to like land on with description of what these things are and and david's book is really good just illustrating it and then we got uh please send us money yeah yeah (laughs) send us money for the audio equipment so far y'all have sent in 190 dollars. we're trying to raise 500 if you're appreciating the improvements and the sound quality of our voices Help us pay for this equipment that we're buying. And also, this is going to towards getting equipment so that we can do a live podcast, a video podcast when we do meet up. So, you know, we're trying to get professional up here. So just uh, Venmo us some money at EMEKV or PayPal us money at BHEPodcast at gmail.com. You can also donate at anygrammar.com. Just leave a note. Uh, that is for the BHE audio equipment. 
Help out your boys and girl. Help us out. Uh, Dark right. Arts Academy. Oh, yeah. Dark Arts Academy. On our, uh, You can sign up at our website, anygrammar.com. We just released a typing class video we did on Nina Simone. And I think this week it's going to be Gary V. Or maybe by the time this airs, it's going to be somebody else. But we roasted the hell out of Gary V. Uh, and Nina with Simone turned out to be really cool. I didn't know very much mm-hmm. about her, but she's um, she turned out to be uh, what, a social eight. Social yeah. cell pres eight with uh, two and six fixes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, cool. tune in to uh, find out what we think of Gary V. That was a fun class video. Who's Gary V? Gary Vaynerchuk, that fucking cookie monster looking guy that's on all social media telling people to hustle harder and keep posting videos. I don't know. <laughs> don't know yeah, who... I'll, I'll check it out. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's repulsive. <laughs> that's kind of why we did him, because he's repulsive, so we could be <laughs> bitchy and catty. Yeah. But also we did him because uh, he is somebody, we're trying to type people that the uh, OPS people have typed so that we can oh, yeah. eventually do like a cross video mm, typing cool. thing. Um, and so he's one of their kind of uh, touchstone people that they've <laughs> learned from in terms of, I mean, if you're trying to like, promote yourself on social media he was one of the first people to take advantage of social media as a business tool mm-hmm. and and so yeah you can learn from the guy but it, like he's really just repulsive on so many levels all right but yeah last night alexander and i did uh mushrooms i'm a little fried because but i, I like i discovered all the secrets of the universe and it was all very clear <laughs> so like when you're talking about pete davidson and the way that like the feminine and the masculine like try to get acknowledgement from one another yeah in different ways like uh there's all these ways it just like it became clear of i don't know it's 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 so much to talk about but uh yeah like there's some sort of precise relationship of between the masculine and the feminine and then the force that keeps them separate and together Mm -hmm. it was like the law of three was like so fucking strong but i was like just seeing it through the ways that men and women like try to relate to each other and there's like the weird like daddy stuff and the weird milf Mm -hmm. cougar stuff and like (laughs) yeah like one of the things that came to me was like um you know there's all this like milf porn of yeah like these like big like thickish big tit women on these like tiny boys you know (laughs) (laughs) boy men yeah and it's like what is going like that's like that kind of thing or like there's some that are like old men with young girls you know this kind of stuff yeah like Right. What is going on? And it's just all these different ways that like two polarities are like trying to meet each other and like experience different levels of each other. And I don't know, it was just, it was really clear. And I saw like the Enneagram, like the Ennead of Heliopolis that it comes from is like the map of reality. It was like so fucking clear. It was very crazy. But yeah, anyway, I don't know what Pete Davidson made me think. <laughs> <laughs> Pete Davidson's like, he's got an odd face. It, yeah, he's bordering on ugly. right i don't necessarily think it's he's i mean he's a tall guy so there's that but um it's not like he's some like brat pitt like unanimously universally handsome looking person that you wouldn't be surprised if everybody wants to fuck but i mean he's fucked a lot of like top hollywood women or dated top hollywood women and um there's something there like he has some kind of likability magic and and it's like why does pete davidson get all these girls and understanding like every type has its own sort of uh, seduction strategies that are innate to every type. And it seems like six is sort of that attachment magic. They just get you to buy into their trashiness, <laughs> their hot messness. 
they make you feel confident. <laughs> right. It's really true. interesting, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's the whole thing, too, of, of women not caring as much about looks, mm-hmm. which, is, which is strange to guys, you know? Right, right. Yeah. That's an aspect of things that, that's, you know, interesting to look at is, is uh, certain guys. Like, OD's a good-looking guy, but I realized why he was so sticky. Like, why people were obsessed <laughs> with him mm-hmm. is because he was just, like, going overboard with this, like, self-deprecating, making her feel good. Uh, but then also just being very distant when he's not with her. So it's like this push-pull of just like super relatable, likable person that you want to be make your husband who is completely unavailable to that, but gives you the goods more so than anyone who's you've ever met. So it's like this, you, it's impossible to quit because you, you, you can't hate the guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Giving it to you and not giving it to you at the same time. Like, that's, right. That's part of what I'm doing too. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas like, they don't stick around with me because they don't, they don't actually, there's nothing about the way I come across that seems that there's any chance that they're going to get that, even though I'm more likely to actually, if I do commit, like I'm all the way in. Um, it's like there's much, it's much more difficulty on a front end with me versus mm-hmm. OD is completely open to anybody, but it's like trying to get pin him down is like impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like the attachment thing is like, yeah. there's a certain like, uh, yeah, what did, what did you, you just, Called it like available on the front end, but then you yes. can't actually. <laughs> yeah. That's so. That's so attachment. Hardcore. Hardcore. Yeah, like I'm not available on the front end, but I think some people have figured out is like if I can get that guy to like me, then I really have something. So some people, mm-hmm. it, it motivates some people to like try to get in with me just because I'm not True. an easy person to get to. But if you are my type of person, it's like I'm you know ride or die with those people. But it's good luck. <laughs> good luck becoming one of those people. Yeah. There's something last night with like Alexandra and I, like sometimes we we like both know how dedicated we are to each other, but we both get like freaked out in our various ways. Mm-hmm. And there was a thing where it was like I could tell in her nine space, she like, you know, she's a receptive force. Like she wants somebody to come get her. Mm-hmm. And yep. but she also wants to throw up I mean, I think it's pretty universal, but throw up obstacles to like, come get me, you know, like sometimes she's really coherent in there and like a a solid, solid object, so to speak for, for me to get. And then sometimes she's a cloud and, (laughs) and, and and like part of it last night was like, uh, like I said to her, I was like, I'm with you. Okay. Like, stop doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Like, you got it. Like I've been doing, you've you've set up the hurdles and like, I'm, I'm. I keep coming, you know, like right, right. There was that thing, and uh, there, there's something there about like uh, I, don't, I've had, I have every image in my mind at once, so it's not really distilling into words, but it's all like. So is it you're more getting at this sort of like attachment thing where attachment types are available up front, but there's still kind of like an unreachable quality that they always maintain. On yeah. Some level, yeah. Yeah, like I feel like I think as he spoke to him, kind of like I'm not available up front. Mm-hmm. But then I get I'm like I'm real available. Not to say that others oh, like no problems or things or whatever, but I'm saying no to everything until I say yes. Whereas like I think attachment says yes to everything until they find no. Mm-hmm. You know, the attachment wants to like keep saying yes, 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 but 
saying yes to things is itself a, a kind of a hidden no. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, it's not saying no. It's a it's a saying no to saying no. Whereas the hexad thing is like no, 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 but not really landing on your yes in a certain way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think one way that this is showing up, at least recently, is just seeing just how much attachment types are playing this game of saying yes that they don't really mean, especially with the typing process. Yeah. Like mm. at this point, shit has crystallized. Like everyone, uh, people who are coming to the group have been listening to the podcast. They know the deal, but still, we still have some attachment types. You're like saying yes to. I'm open to learning. I'm open to this possibility that I'm not the type that I think I am. But they're still doing yes, but no in this sort of like still trying to find a loophole to make themselves the type that they thought they were. Like it's interesting how the yes is the yes for attachment types is actually it's just a veiled no or a delayed no. I mean, I've talked about this before, but it's just interesting that every every single time I keep seeing it, just just say no just disagree and move on why are we doing this charade where you're acting like you're open when i know and everybody knows that you're not actually open to what's being presented here like you're just taking a long goodbye um (laughs) it's like just just say you don't agree with the typing and just go type however the fuck you want to type you know (laughs) for me there's definitely people that i'm just don't even want to talk to at all and i make that pretty clear (laughs) but but there's plenty of people that <clears throat> I think it's with attachment you're you're kind of just wanting some sense of general acceptance sort of in your field, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's it's sometimes it's it's that and you're trying to weave around in all of that. Acceptance in your field like something about that yeah makes sense cuz like, all right, so in like the, not a four thing, for example, someone will like identify as a four and it is a kind of, I think, a way of accepting parts of themselves they haven't been able to accept. Mm. So that mm. four identification get or eight or whatever it might be gives them an acceptance of something that they couldn't accept at four. So it's like this win, right? It's like accepting on a new level. Mm-hmm. And so then when there's pushback of actually you might not be this type or that type it's like a wound because they achieved the acceptance a certain level of acceptance they're seeking but instead of being like acceptance and it's all like green green lights or something like that you're getting a pushback for acceptance you know what I'm saying? does that make sense yeah yeah, like, yeah 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 it's like i can understand i guess some of the violation because it feels like the field of acceptance is being violated being violated <laughs> mm-hmm. and david like i was listening to our motivation behavior not behavior whatever thing mm-hmm. like, from last time and god you said something oh it's like oh david you're saying about uh four and about four as being a big no mm-hmm. and you were like and it makes sense that in the cosmic order of things that there is a no <laughs> you know yeah yeah and it does and um if I'm thinking of like nine as like representing the top of the enneagram, and the gap between four and five represent like the negation or the no, mm-hmm. uh, it's like the nine at the top is like this eye that wants to see and accept everything. Yeah, and at the bottom is this negation of everything. It's like no, 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 not it, not it, not it. Yeah, and so um, the task of like the top of the enneagram is to like accept, accept no, <laughs> as a thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Like part of the field of field of acceptance is accepting there's a no in the in the you know right 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 yeah it's it's almost like the work for nines is and this is something that that shows up in in typing is uh, a nine maybe even nine and six well I guess all the attachment types will get pinned down to a certain location but more so for nine pinned down to a certain location as in a typing and the response if they you know disagree with the typing and are struggling with seeing themselves is that well there are all these all these different reasons why what you saw isn't the real me or um there's a second video or there's a different mm-hmm. collage or my this condition that i have or my gender like there's all these different the and if you field, accepted you did if you saw that you'd accept it then you know? right like and but the, the issue the, the yeah the issue is that yes i saw the full range of you all these different videos and you were the same person across the same all those videos you didn't change (laughs) (laughs) and so uh, i don't know if we'd mentioned this before but like you know the top of the crown of the enneagram representing the full spectrum of light like the rainbow Mm -hmm. and almost like that Mm -hmm. experiment where you get the the full spectrum of light and you put it through a prism and the other through the other side you get the you know light or is it the other way where you get pure light and it goes through a prism and it goes into the full spectrum of light and so nine representing the full spectrum and four or five representing that pure piercing um white black you know contrast Mm -hmm. where you can see clearly that there are clear lines between and Mm. distinctions between everything whereas you know the full spectrum is seeing how everything could you could be everything um, and so that's kind of what I see for the work for nines is to see that there are, you know, at least with the Enneagram is to see that there are clear lines between these types and there are extremely limited and it doesn't matter, you know, how many videos or how many collages you are a distinct entity that can be defined and put into a box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's something there about, um, the no and the yes. And like, you know, one of the things I, I was in a argument with somebody online, uh, for fun and, uh, they were pretty clearly to me like a nine, but they're very heady. And so people like they took themselves to be a five and I wasn't not arguing even about type. It was about the validity of introjection is the forest defense mechanism. And I was like, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense. And it goes completely against uh what four is and this guy was almost definitely nine and he was it was like this really interesting thing where he couldn't just say this is how interjection works in four i mean it doesn't but then he couldn't just like lay it out and he had to kind of connect everything to everything else like he went into gurdjieff (laughs) he went into metaphysics it was like this entirely long meandering thing and i was like just say no (laughs) you know like (laughs) like you know, because he, he, it's like he sort of accepted the premise of Naranjo. Yeah. And he was trying to say that even my rejection of Naranjo's interjection idea uh, was itself some kind of weird backdoor form of interjection. It made no sense. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but it was like, you know, uh, I, like I always joke about Nine being like Neo from the Matrix and like, yeah. mm-hmm. like part of the strength of the nine energy and the weakness of the nine energy is both like when Neo avoids bullets and he just like contorts his body to avoid stuff. It's like nines can avoid the the bullets and like keep having that endurance or they can just like, you know, like fuck four being the creative type. Like nine is so creative and they can just like <laughs> connect everything to make something work and like to keep the attachment oh, or yeah. whatever, to keep the mm-hmm. connection, keep the acceptance. 
And yeah, it was just, I was, uh, what I was noticing, I was like, all right, this guy probably is a nine. He thinks he's a five, but what I, and I was like, what is hitting me? Like, what's the thing that I'm seeing that is making me think nine? And there was an absence of no in his thinking. Like, mm-hmm. yep. they're like the, the fives thinking style is like negation, you know? Yep. It's like ripping, ripping something apart and seeing what is not known about it. Like, what's in the, the, no, the, like, it's just, rejecting everything basically to get yeah. to something narrowing yeah stripping yeah stripping it down yeah it reminds me just thinking about like facebook enneagram and and arguing with people and there was a point where i d- made the decision that i would stop arguing with nines about their self-typing like it didn't it didn't matter how clear of a distinction that was made i mean because i i I getting better over the years at observing the way people in, uh, interact and the way type perspectives play out. And so I have practiced, gotten really good at catching people in the act of doing their type and really blowing up these sort of type perspectives. And so what I've noticed, it didn't matter how good the observations were and how, how much of a bullseye it was in terms of explaining how someone, where someone was coming from, that if a nine had dug themselves in into a certain perspective or a certain typing or whatever it was, that there's nothing you could do or say, regardless of how accurate or how distinct it was, that would ever convince or get a nine to see different at that point in time. Like it's mm-hmm. literally going to take their coming around to it maybe months, years later. Uh, mm-hmm. At that point in time, your points are useless. And so mm-hmm. I made a personal decision that... um you could just go endless with, you know, just it doesn't matter how good, distinct, how good of a distinction you make or argument that you make. Um, even if someone made a video and there was like, you know, we're doing video commentary, like here is where you did this and this. They're going to come back with, well, we haven't ta- thought about cognitive type because INFP, you know, mm-hmm. blah, 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 or whatever. It's like, where, where, why are we even talking about that right now? We're talking about the Enneagram. Or you haven't talked about like my gender or like. The, the the political landscape from where I came, you know, all that kind of shit where I'm like, <laughs> there's always going to be a deflection. Um, and it reminds me of that confusion technique. I don't know if we've right. talked about that here, but um, something we should bring back up, I think is one of the best descriptions that anyone's ever come up with. Shout out to Tom Condon. Tom Condon, Con- yeah. Mm-hmm. Confusion yep. technique for nine, because it just sums it up, sort of like how nines can start off in one point and then deflect and keep on deflecting and what it does is that you just get exhausted and one one thing he said in the article is that you end up feeling just like the nine feels all the time which is exhausted and apathetic <laughs> right yes yeah. the road is so meandering partly right right so you there and they're going to stick it out and that that's part of how they're using rage is to just that they can just keep going down that road you know it's just steady fuel for meandering I think somebody had asked a question about what is the nine thinking style and to really get into, you know, how do nines confuse themselves, confuse others? Because this, it shows up in multiple different ways. There are a lot of heady nines, like really intellectual nines and like, what is the nine thinking style and how does that get in the, get in the way of a nine seeing themselves? Yeah. I mean, I want to say too, like, it might sound like we're just shitting on nines, you know, <laughs> which uh, we are. We are. It's okay, David's a nine. It's it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> David. Yeah, David loves it. Uh, no, but like, I mean, you know, I'm in love with a nine. Like, right. uh, and as a four, five, eight, or whatever, like, 
I experience myself as very un-9-ish, you know, like very uh, strongly in contrast to 9 energy, especially like being with a Bermuda 9 and how much I value like that perspective energy because it really kind of feels like that 9 energy is really like the thing that that stubbornness and that sticking through things and that rage is like planting a flag in something real, you know, and it's like Uh a 9 needs to just uh, like figure out what to let go of and what to accept, you know, it's sort of, it's like, they've just got it mixed up a little bit. Like they're, they're, they've got the right tools, like the acceptance and the intelligence and the creativity and the sensitivity, but it's like, you know, they'll sort of prematurely freeze an image of what to accept, like based on early life or something like to keep the attachment structure going. And it's like, if they can learn to just like, realize that they're they're the planting the flag in the ground kind of thing in that substantial real thing is really real and important but it's like they're usually fixate fixing it in the wrong place does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah 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 and like i mean as a as whatever four five blah 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 like there is a lot like especially given the personality style i've got like there's a lot of like focus on self and my individualism and my individuation and that's the most important thing and like that is for my type like that's just how it feels and but i i recognize more and more that it's like it's 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 more like i don't know how to put this but like as a contrasting force to what nine represents you know what i mean i, I think what we're, we're talking about is more like the top of the enneagram versus the bottom yeah it's, it's kind of like uh, i really do see like the nine the top the nine energy as being like the sun and then, like, the bottom of the Enneagram being, like, the space around the sun. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, nine, nine's got it. Like, I mean, so many fucking, the most brilliant fucking people in the world, the most interesting, most, I mean, like, how do you have a type that has people like Jung and Einstein, but then, like, some of the hottest people in the world, <laughs> yeah. also, you know what I mean? Right. Like, how, how do you have that all in one type? Right, right. You can get the full spectrum of, you know, humanity sexy to extremely intelligent extremely creative um leadership all of it is in nine i think david you talked about something the metaphor of uh nine representing the sun and how that lights up everything but when the sun's at the high noon you can see more things but it also blinds you Mm -hmm. in a certain way i think the metaphor i was using is yeah the sun at high noon so you imagine the sun straight above the nine, right? And so what that means is that the shadow of the nine is right under their feet. And, mm. it's, and contrast is what has you see personality and differentiation. Mm. So the bigger the contrast, it's why like two and seven in that sort of sundial modality, you know, three and six are like straight across sun. So they are kind of, I don't know, splitting the day and night, let's say, right? But so the next ones up from there are two and seven. And that's why two and seven are such big personalities because there's this long shadow. You see what I'm saying? And so, and that creates contrast. Mm -hmm. And so you see personality, you know, that's, just staying in really abstract space i mean that is part of the maybe unconscious appeal for nines of you know uh uh, sticking to being a four or a five you know it's partly that acceptance thing too in the sense that part of what nines are doing i've said it before 
like four and five represent a no. And you've got a chip on your shoulder as an attachment type about the fact that you do adapt. And just in general for human beings, sort of an idea, an ego ideal would be to kind of essentially not need anybody and not need acceptance, right? right? That would be the ideal cool person or something, right? So, you know, when you're a nine and you're claiming four or five for yourself, you're claiming some of the no and some of the negative and some of the dark and so forth. And so that's why nines grip onto it so tightly is that, you know, I accepted these so-called negative traits, negative relative to you know, what society wants me to be as a positive, productive person or something like that. And so I'm not going to let go because, again, it's, it's like um, it's trying to do autonomy for one thing in a way. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 When in the experience Alexander and I shared last night, like I just had this extremely, extremely clear expression of the law of three as like, Every second is the three forces, the active, the new negative, and the reconciling force trying to come into relationship. Mm. And, you know, that each of these forces is kind of like, you'd say, unstable in the sense that you can't freeze it. You know, and in some ways that we're all just trying to, like, we're all just trying to, like, freeze these forces. And what I mean by that is, like, in the case of nine, it's like I'm trying to affirm acceptance. You know, like, I'm trying to. Um, like accepting is like the meeting of the active force and the negative force. You know, it's like that the active force and the receptive force. Mm-hmm. Like it's the unification. Like I'm trying to unify things. Right. Yin yang. Yeah, yin yang. But everything is a threesome. You know, like. Right. And so there is the there's a third force, which is like what keeps those two polarities coming together and coming apart again. You know, it's like a, everything is an inhale and an exhale, and it's sort of like um. Of recognizing that you can have the acceptance, but you also have to accept non-acceptance in like a real way, not just some kind of mm-hmm. abstract way. It's like at all times there is the juicy pleasure, acceptance, milk, whatever. But then there's also like time. There's also like decay. There's also no. There's also mm-hmm. taking it away. And it, it really, I mean, it's, I'm sounding like a nine right now, but it's like, it really is just like the, the the waves moving in and out. Like it was so clear. Don't you have a thing in your book about um, like the high side of nine would be that sort of acceptance of the no? It would be, you know, I can't remember if it's in the section about nine and harmony or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember what's in my book. Let me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was something along the lines of, you know, the high side of nine being not needing to change negatives or sharp truth or you know what i mean or uh darkness into light um but actually being with what is you know cuz that's that's a big part of the nine thing is that you're really radically filtering what's even coming in and that's why nines are constantly kind of slowing down everything it's because mm. you're trying to filter everything before it comes in i mean this is of course totally unconscious but you're you know what i mean that's part of that whole slowing down time and and goes into even nines ghosting people you know because <laughs> yeah. you're yeah. you're just you're trying to prepare 
you're trying to prepare for reality constantly right. instead of just um, having it come moment to moment, which would be part of what the, the deeper connection to that gut body rage would be is that you can roll with the punches, mm-hmm. you know? It reminds me of this uh, concept that Tom Conan had included in his article about, uh, and in this confusion technique article called uh, mm-hmm. Virtual Life Obsessions. And he talked about virtual life obsessions being like these dissociated obsessions that nines create instead of actually confronting real life. So, for example, mm-hmm. you could look at typology as a virtual life ex- uh, yep. obsession, where it's kind of like, you know, you can just go around the wheel trying on different types every year you don't actually confront the reality of doing something about with this information and so a lot of um nines can escape or have these dissociated obsessions that um prevent them or delay sort of like actually confronting real life and i've had multiple lots of conversations with nines like asking like what do i fucking do as a nine how do i fucking grow as a nine and the answer is coming back to the tapping into that rage of the gut center, like in the mm-hmm. moment rage of, yeah. you know, my a line has been crossed and how to practice doing something with that rage. And, and for some people, for some nines, they've gotten comfortable or they've adapted to being comfortable with being aggressive online. Maybe that's an arena where um, mm-hmm. they're comfortable doing so. I've also noticed that some and that's nines virtual space, by the way, right? Yeah, virtual no, space, yeah, which is also. Right. But I've also noticed that there's a big cultural piece to this. Like for some nines, culturally, you know, their culture is uh, highly confrontational, and you know, those True. nines come across online far more confrontational than would be expected for nines. And so it seems like there's a, a wide range for what a nine could be comfortable doing. And so a lot of some nines are very conflict oriented because that's just. Maybe the way they grew up, or maybe there's something that they've gotten comfortable with. And so, you know, practicing setting boundaries with anger, because it seems like something a nine could adapt to. And maybe they've just adapted to being extremely conflict avoidant, and that nine would fit the stereotype of peacemaker. But for some nines, it's the opposite. And so it seems like, you know, they can tap into that ability to adapt and become more comfortable, you know, stepping into setting those kind of boundaries. Well, I think. Uh, what you both have spoken to with the rage and anger and resistance, it's like nines are already saying no to so much, but they're just unconscious about their no. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah, yep. There's like a a fear of the implications of owning all the no's that are already being just thrown all the fuck over the place. Like they, mm-hmm. if there wasn't a no, there wouldn't be a resistance to like getting out of bed. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you're right, right. You know, like it's it's they're just so identified and comfortable with the acceptance yes and it's like at the cost of burying their burying their no which then leads to all this like fuck like that's the no wants to burst out and to say like if the no bursts out then it's like i can forge myself like a you know like molten metal into like a fucking sword you know like some kind of like the cold and the focus and the the the, the no presents makes the sword and um and, you know, I think that at least speaking for uh, Emic and I's trifix, which is like very non-attachment-y, like I think we're unconscious in a sense to our yeses, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> mm. That's interesting. I, I, and it's hard for me to articulate because I'm in it, but um, just seeing 
no to everything all the time has I, yeah i don't i'm i'm like well i'll say it this way I, i'll say that i think what you're getting at for me is that no is such a baseline that i'm not aware that there are these tight little channels that my yeses can come through mm. and i'm always kind of surprised when i realized that i said yes to something looking back it's like wait how did this oh yeah i because they did this, this, and this, or they they connected with me on this one little thing that I cared about, that was a gateway for me to say yes. And I'm realizing that my yeses could be manipulated if if someone actually knew the little tight little buttons that they needed right. to hit to get past. And it's, it, my yeses seemed much more vulnerable to me. And when I actually look back on them, it's like, oh wait, that's yeah. all it took for I, me to. And so that makes you armor up more with yep. more no. Yep. Well, it's, yeah. yeah, well, part of it, it's that, but I also recognize that there are certain things that, you know, because it's just very few things that I really give a shit about. And if you right. somehow unintentionally overlap with the things that I care about, then I all of a sudden take you seriously. And I'm recognizing that um, mm. it's not that I can double down and say, hey, I'm not going to respond to that because the reason I respond to it is because it is important to me. But well, it's like we want to say yes, actually, really, really badly. Right. But there's almost no opportunity to say yes. Oh, yeah. They're fucking they're, yeah. mad about there how much, how la how few things are to affirm. Right. Yes. So one thing, something comes around that you know it hits on our little yes arena. It's like yes, I want to say yes to that person. And in in looking back, it's like maybe I said yes prematurely because my yes right. are so few and far between. Um. That, you know, it's like you want to give people that chance because it's just a rare thing that you come across someone who does hit something that, you know, you want to say yes to. But sometimes I realize, like, shit, like, I'm so eager to say yes because it's so rare that I look back and I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have, you know, I should have, right. you know. Because <laughs> you feel, like, exploited and taken right. advantage of and contaminated and, like, you've sullied something that you've been, like, I've been mm -hmm. keeping everything at bay from touching this thing. Right. And and then something does like you're like, oh, finally something can touch it. And then it was like not the thing. Right. And it feels like just everything's been fucking ruined in a certain way. Like, I mean, that is something that for like my, you know, like my past relationships and stuff like that, it wasn't a yes because I was over eager to say yes when I'd said no so many times to things. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And then I felt like, oh, this was not the thing I should have said yes to. And I keep going back through my life and reviewing and like I, I think that there are small yeses I should have made that I was, like, holding out for, like, a big yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of little things I should have said yes to uh, that could have, you know, worked out just fine. And so just looking back and seeing, like, some of the things I have said yes to, it's like, man, it's, it doesn't feel like I'm helping myself because I'll say yes to the wrong things, even though they seemed right at the time. And I'll miss out on some things in hindsight that I'll look back on. It's like, I should have given that a chance, you know. Right. Well, you can see how then attachment is why there's so many attachment types just like at a whatever the I don't know if it's the right word, but genetically or whatever, because right. that I mean, that propagates the human population because there's so much more acceptance of so many uh, possibilities of mates and partners and things yeah. like that. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's why bodies. I mean that's why I was, uh, for a long time, I was just Mr. Hookup and One Night Stand because I, I knew that if I spent a significant amount of time getting to know this person, there was like a 99% chance that I would find them repulsive and I wouldn't be able to fuck them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
So got to get it done before we know anything about each other. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also the sexual instinct thing where it's like, you know, that can override a lot of, oh, shit, she's like actually fucking stupid. But, you know, the sex is amazing. So I'll uh, stick it out just for (laughs) as long as possible. And being a body type. Yeah. (laughs) Wanting to do some body stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, one night stands, like the dates... Dates, you know, were disastrous for me on multiple fronts just because I have personality that pisses people off and I, I'm also extremely judgmental. And so going out on dates is like I'd have to go on so many dates to find someone that I could stand. For me to have any fun, I had to just like fucking wing it with strangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't know why this, what we're talking about is blending into this, but, um, you know, in preparing to go to Egypt, I you know, been studying like I'm fucking cramming for an exam and it's so cool to like, I think I know something and then it gets like so much deeper, but I was reviewing Beelzebub's tales to his grandson, Gurdjieff's like, you know, big tome. Mm -hmm. And it's about, uh, like, I don't, do you guys know what it's about? I think I started Um, to read it roughly. Um, Yeah. I know a little bit about it, but nothing, not much. It's weird. It's like, it's like kind of in the style of a sci-fi in a certain way. Mm. Um, like before sci-fi was much of a thing, but it's mm-hmm. Gurdjieff using the like Beelzebub, who's like a demon in Christian Jewish mythology, as a higher being that has like participated in some kind of cosmic mistake, and you know there's there's mistakes all the way up. Like even God's confused sometimes, you know, and he's kind of like doing some repentance, and he's on this ship called Karnak, which is an Egyptian temple's name, and he's with his grandson. His grandson gets really fascinated by the three-brained beings on Earth, meaning hmm. three-centered beings on Earth. Hmm. He has like six journeys to Earth, and where he talks about weird experiences, and it's like very metaphorical and very interesting. And anyway, he goes to Egypt. There's all the significance about the Sphinx and all this kind of stuff, and he he talks about like super ancient ways that people did things. And um, I was reading this section about how important astrologers were in Egypt, which is like everything is astrology in Egypt. Mm. And how, uh, you know, David, you were saying something about the, the replication of bodies. You know, Gurdjieff s- says all this like crazy shit, but he was talking about how basically like astrologers were like really essential for bringing people together sexually. Mm. And how finding mm. a mate through an astrological match was like crucial to like producing people or essences of a certain quality and that like oh. there's like hmm. a a real uh you know intelligence in attraction and a real intelligence in um certain forces coming together and that the like sort of quality on the earth of human beings has really suffered because of the ways that we've been reproducing without real matches whether you call that like real attraction guiding it or real social instinct guiding it or you know a real sense of like what should go into a sexual match. Mm-hmm. And so this thing, thing of like bodies reproducing and like the saying yes to everything, but like without the like discrimination of what to say yes to, yep. without owning all the no, it like, it creates this. Creates um, a bunch of cattle. People as cattle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it creates, it creates a lot of low quality experience. Yep. And yeah. then you're trying to say yes to that that low quality also, you know, and yeah. versus us that's always trying to say no to it. And, you know, it's like right. it flattens everything. I, I read that the um, there's like a baseline color to the universe, like hmm. the average color 
of the universe is called Cosmic Latte. What? Yeah, look it up. It's terrible. <laughs> it's so appropriate. Is that what, huh? is that what happens when, when people are just unconsciously making bad uh, mating choices? I think so. It's just like... The, <laughs> it's just like a medium brown kind of... <laughs> Cosmic yeah, it's latte. like it's like beige. latte even sounds like kind of nice because it's got this like milky okay. like coffee <laughs> thing, but it's like not even that good. You know, it's just like it is tan beige. beige. Yeah, like, right. Christian beige. Christian wow. beige. There it is. <laughs> R- rustic beige. <laughs> cosmic latte. This has got to go yeah, on look a it t-shirt. Up. I want to make a t-shirt that's cosmic latte. Uh, <laughs> all of you people are cosmic latte. <laughs> <laughs> We're adding some new insults to the BHG <laughs> vocabulary. You're not no better than cosmic latte. <laughs> the most oh, your soul color in the universe. Your soul yeah. is cosmic yeah. latte. Yeah. <laughs> and so, oh yeah, it's like uh, you know, you made that metaphor of the crystal or the prism or something like. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. A crystal or a prism is like a, a specified thing. It has to approach the affirmation. You know, it has to approach the nine. Has to the affirmation, the nine. Yes, whatever you know, in everybody has to mix with the sharp distinctionness of the no, and, mm-hmm. and, and that then differentiates the, color the colors, up. and then right. you can see the separate stripes of color. Right. 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 Yeah. There's yeah. even that thing. Um, it's like the slot. Uh, like it's like if you shine. What is it? It's if you shine a flashlight in a dark room, and you've got like a uh, a wall, and then between the wall and the and the flashlight is like a a slit, mm, uh, or like yeah. like a like a, oh, what is the fucking word I'm trying? Like some kind of you can have like a curtain or like something an obstacle, but with like cuts, like little stripe cuts in it. Mm-hmm, and okay. so, like, let's say you have like three cuts, and you're shining the light through the three cuts, and you're looking at the impression it makes on the the wall the other side yeah it'll create what's called an interference pattern where um instead of like three slots or something or four slots whatever that matches the the cuts in the in the cardboard or whatever you got uh it actually makes a whole bunch more hmm. and it's this thing that ha- you know it's like related to quantum physics or something but it's this argument that like light behaves like a particle and a wave and so it's this it's this thing where the light is it's like being split up and yet it's still coming back and interacting with itself in a way that we don't quite understand. Hmm. Like I'm trying to, I'll, I'll just like try to look it up and anybody can like fucking Google whatever this experiment is, but it's like, you can just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so relate that back then to, to like well, what the nine fragmenting thing is doing maybe. Yeah. Well, it's like, I think that in all of us, the nine in all of us is afraid that everything's just going to fall apart or to fall into total entropy or nothingness. Mm -hmm. So I got to affirm it all to keep it all together. And that's like, Mm. as a nine, like sticking my flag in the ground and being stubborn about it. Whereas the bottom of the Enneagram in all of us, the Harnalut, the gap is Mm -hmm. saying no to it all and just like wants it all to die. Mm Mm-hmm. And when those two forces are somehow brought into the right relationship, uh, like in this like slot experiment, or I'm going to find the real Mm -hmm. name of it, it actually, it does create division, but it's a division that keeps coming back. And it is like that metaphor of the breath. It's like Mm. the two waves just keep coming back and making the, um, the spectrum. Yeah. So this is going to be the huh part of um, <laughs> it always uh, real, real quick. I want to hear that, but it's called the double yep. slit experiment. So, like, oh, yeah, no, I know right. that one. Yeah. Well, where I was going is, I mean, you're kind of talking about 
Um, I mean, it's actually based in physics, but at the same time, you're kind of talking about magic. Yeah. You know what I mean? In, in some sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is almost magic when you think of it in the context of that most of us don't reach that kind of uh, that um, subtle, refined uh, capacity to do um, that integration. You know what I mean? Of, mm-hmm. of those forces. And then I'm actually relating it even back into what you were saying about using astrology <clears throat> to find a mate. You know, matching somebody's, you know, um, two people's charts or whatever. And those two people happening to be, I mean, not that there, there's probably multiple people, right, that could ultimately work for you on Earth as far as a, a mate, an ideal mate. But I mean, being in the right place and being born at the right time, that's another kind of magic, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and yeah. I don't know where I'm going with it, but I mean, that's, to me, kind of an important piece. And, and I think it is, you, you touched on it being an aspect of kind of the sexual instinct and the social instinct. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a certain thing there. And, and part of, and I can, just as I'm saying this, I can loop it back into my whole conception of the instincts uh, and the elements. So with sexual and social, that's fire, water, and air, and leaves out earth. And so you're kind of transcending earth Mm. when you're in that space so Mm. that's the metaphor there which is interesting idea Mm -hmm. that's a good point uh to make because at least when it comes to mate selection uh when if you're just looking at it from the perspective of just uh self-present it just becomes a meat market which is right the the best bodies and it's it doesn't even matter yeah what's going on upstairs or if there's chemistry who's got the biggest ass and tits and who's got the biggest chest shoulders and dick and all that kind of stuff. Whereas social and sexual with social, it's like, you know, how are we aligned? Um, Do we have similar values? Uh, How are we connecting and that kind of thing? Um, So that, that even gets into like religion, cosmology, exactly. Ideology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like even, you know, I've had to learn even uh, managing this group is, is that, certain people just don't belong around certain people. Like if you have mm-hmm. hugely, largely different political views, you're just going to be arguing about politics all the time. And if you just, politics is an example of just life values that can be a huge problem. And then, you know, there's the sexual where it's just like this unpredictable chemistry spark that, that no one can put a box on. It's like, it's either there or it's not. If you don't just the self press thing where it's just like, you know, she's beautiful, she's hot, or this guy's tall and has money, right. um, you can get into a lot of unsatisfying matches. Whereas, you know, with social and sexual, it's like you can really find someone who aligns with you and also, you know, sets you off and, and lights a fire that, that can keep things interesting. But it seems like a lot of, you know, the general approach to um, mate selection is just generally self-pressed because that's kind of like what keeps... <laughs> That's like the baseline uh, thing to keep mammals reproducing. It's just like, well, that's a, that's a big ass. Let me let me hop on that, <laughs> right? And then and then the uh, to you know bring self pres back in. You know, there's then the high side of self pres would be to recognize 
the body and the physical self as the temple mm-hmm. of the soul, right? Yeah. And so yeah. the place the place where in magic and connection um, can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to just, just focusing on, you know, just the survival, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole topic we could get into at some point. It's just, you know, how do people select mates and partners? And everybody's going to have their biases depending on their instincts. And, you know, like a lot of social types wanting to be with someone who aligns with them or maybe a social type who wants to be with someone who grounds them. Um, mm-hmm. All the different motivations and like how how does... How can you intentionally and consciously select uh, a partner? One thing that I, you know, just and over the last year and a half or so, um, realizing about myself because this is something I've been obsessed about, is that there is a clear opposite. There is for whatever you're you've got going on, whatever your type is, there is an oppositional energy. There is one clear type in the Enneagram that not only are you going to be attracted to, but that you're going to work well with because there is complementary and oppositional energies there. And before I used to think, oh, oh, I like nines and I like sevens and I like threes. And, you know, it's probably going to be one of those types. And and I, I recognize that um, whatever you've got going on, there's there's one clear type that's going to probably work best for you in a relationship. Maybe, maybe I'm speaking because... I'm a pretty um, specific personality and there's probably very little options for me in terms of what will work, but uh, maybe I'm projecting my own sort of uh, over specific um, perspective on things. But I do really believe that there is an ideal opposite or polarity for Mm -hmm. each person. Something for sixes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't even see that coming, but it was always there. You know, and and I recognize that this is just like it works, and it's always worked. I just didn't realize it in romantic <laughs> context. My, you know, some of my closest friends have been sixes, and uh, like part of what works for me is just that I I could be a, a, an extremely negative person. Beth calls me a dream killer, and I said, No, I'm a dream <laughs> murderer. <laughs> I'm a dream murderer. <laughs> Let's get so, this clear. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's just like you have to. I'd have to be with someone who is comfortable with that level of negativity and sixes tend to be pretty negative themselves. And so you tend to align with certain people that are complementary to whatever you've got going on. And so I think the more I look at this stuff, the more I'm like, you know what, if you are like a cosmic matchmaker that you can really narrow things down. And if you can really see where people are at, you can really find out like, okay, this, this, there is an ideal type for you if we're really getting down to it. Yeah. And for the listeners, uh, who I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but there was a zone meeting where Emika got dubbed something for sixes, and that's what we're referring to. Yeah, and then the next yep. zone I got with the six. Yeah, <laughs> ding ding ding. It was prophetic. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. John. Um, yeah, I think at some point I recognized like John. John's supposed to be with a nine. John needs a nine. Yeah, <laughs> and and like you getting with Let's Alexander get was like the least surprising. Well, it, it just it just felt like it felt like there is like a cosmic attraction there's a a ideal person that exists and you are on a collision course to meet that person and so when you got together with alexander was like yep that's exactly exactly who he's supposed to be with and not just a nine a social nine oh yeah no it's uh (laughs) i there i can't like it's like every day i'm like god i i can't believe i was with anybody but a nine (laughs) right right. (laughs) 
and like uh yeah like just everything about her is like completely juicy and so just like uh ridiculous like all all the things like all the all the you know i mean annoys the shit out of me but like all the green lights you know that i've been like little fragments of things it's just it's insane how much uh like there's some uh you know like in dark right like uh the show dark um, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. there's that theme of like god i we so alexander and i have been watching it and then we had like got like midway through season three and we we're like all right we need just like a fucking break from this shit right. for a second but um you know this the myth of ariadne is like you know do you know that myth no i no. don't know i think it's like perseus one of the greek heroes is uh-huh. you know going through the labyrinth to get to the minotaur mm-hmm and like the way that he like finds his way out or in or something is that Ariadne sp- is his girlfriend and like spins this red thread that he can follow. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I think in the show, um, there's the, like the the like pendant of Saint Christopher that they keep passing through the show. Fuckers, just watch Dark. Uh, I know it's I'm spoiling, <laughs> but like, or not really spoiling anything. But it's like you know, it's got that red thread and like yeah. Marta the main female character plays Ariadne in the school play. And it's this whole thing of, you know, anyway, the two people meeting and going through all these labyrinths and all these like different um, faces and energies and times and, and dimensions and things like this and finding like the one moment. Mm -hmm. And there's so much of life that just, you know, it just feels like this constant confusion. And like that show is just such a great job of that sense of the whole perspective or whole frame is like upended and you don't know what's going on but at the end like there's all these little clues that are leading to this one source and i mean who knows what's going to happen in the future but like there's so many little threads that i wasn't quite giving the right attention to or i was saying no to or saying too much yes in this other way that i shouldn't have but that was all like to find whatever experience i'm having with alexander right now and like Mm -hmm. who knows what's going to happen but it's like there's something really there and so i don't know it is funny, like that you like, I, like, because I remember that's. I mean, that was during a zone. That was during the 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 peak time that we were like something for sixes for Emeka. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like you had discovered nines for the first time, yeah. And and I wasn't sure if it was like actually gonna work, but it, it but it felt like the quality of energy and attention, and it's specific also because it's you know I think some self. Resonance aren't necessarily going to give you like it's that instinctual is, isn't the same as social nine so like social something about social nine was so specifically tapping into what john what you needed at that point in time it's just like holy shit that's exactly yeah. the kind of energy yeah. that you need um and it, just even thinking about fours in general like joseph we because he's currently single yeah. and he's been you know out there and he's realizing thinking oh i should maybe try another type but he's realizing it's got to be a nine. Like, what other type is going to put yeah. up with such a sharp and, you know, harsh personality like that? You know, mm-hmm. what other type would that work with? But So right. the more I learned about the Enneagram, the more I realized, like, I used to think, oh, I could, you know, you could date this type or you could. No. Like, if you really know yourself and really know what you've got going on and you're being mm-hmm. honest about what will actually work and what actually works in person as you try to make a relationship work. It's probably gonna be one type, <laughs> if you're being honest. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because like it was like uh, for the first time feeling like somebody was like interested in me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's partly that acceptance thing. I mean, it's acceptance. like a field of acceptance. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's not only just like what works, but it's a kind of relationship that can be, it's inherently transformative because that person is such a different creature and they bring, they force you to tap into parts of yourself that are dormant or that you need to tap into. Right. And, and they True. occupy, you know, a, a sort of a blind spot and you being mm-hmm. in relationship with them actually makes you more you in a weird way like that's that's what i've been kind of Mm. thinking about over the last year it's like oh what is this thing with me and sixes like you know Mm. i find a lot of sixes annoying but i'm in a relationship with one i love it and there's been some kind of weird alchemy between my (laughs) Mm -hmm. my personality and six that just works and i think that there is a type like that on the enneagram for everyone that you know that there is a type that there is an alchemy that um, something about that relationship is not only attractive, but it's also really challenging and, and it's going to be transformative. Yeah. In my past relationship, I like, I'd always like sought a soulmate or something, you know, and I didn't, I never actually thought she was, you know, like I kind of like wanted to happen. Then I was like, Oh no, it's just about like making something happen. But you know, she, she like presented like, like all the shit that I received from my mom of just like my mom's like constant bullshit and, um, you know, double hex head parents, like, you know, basically, it's like hexad parents like have kids, and the kids are just like sort of there. Like, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's like right. That's another topic we need to get into: parenting yeah. for yeah. hexad versus attachment, because that's a huge one. That's a big yeah. Because like, yeah, my I, my parents like did not give a shit about what was happening with me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so then I like, of course, um, try to resolve that in a relationship with somebody who doesn't give a shit about me, and then mm-hmm. and then when I realize like, oh, I don't need to work this shit out that way I don't need that and then like here's somebody who's like like it's so weird like I mean everything from Alexander's body type to like her hair to like all this different stuff is like just physical all the attraction stuff like it's all stuff I've always wanted and like it's just funny it's like what was I doing it was the the whole thing it was the wrong yes you know yeah 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 Mm. well I mean I I like to think even looking about my past partners I, I do think that they do have certain qualities. Like you wouldn't have been attracted to them unless they had some of the qualities that you need. It's just not the right one. Like I can look back on my exes and I've done this and I've asked people to do this because I think it's an interesting exercise, but just take all your exes and take their photos and put them on like a collage or something. And one thing I find interesting is that there is some overlap to some degree, either through personality or appearance or both where it's like these people seem like they're part of the same family because I'm I'm the common link between mm. all of them. So there are certain qualities or certain face types or whatever, certain personality traits that you're always looking for. And But that's one thing I've recognized looking back on some of these exes is I was into them for a reason. It, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't a bullseye, but there was certain things, certain through lines that, you know, eventually make making my way to Beth. It's like it all came together in one person. Mm-hmm. There also might be a thing where with body types, well, it's just much more critical to uh, be getting what you want as far as that physical, you know, uh, style that works for you or whatever. I don't know if that makes sense. The physical yeah, well, attributes. It's, it's not just the physical, but it's also like there's certain personality traits that have to be there in order for me to be like yeah. – um, really into it even just as simple as the way someone smiles like a smile is sure. different types of smiles and i'm only into one type of smile <laughs> it's mm. like, you know so it's like no. if she doesn't have like it's weird but you know if you mm. look at 
the way all my exes smile. There's a fucking similarity in, in you know, there's different oh, smile styles. Yeah. And so it's like shit like that. It's like, that's weird. I have a, mm-hmm. there's a specific smile that I like. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And it's not like, I, you know, you're not making conscious choices, but it's like these are certain, sure. certain things that spark, hook you about somebody. And if it's not there, um, I mean, it has nothing to do with looks either. I've had partners that I thought were good looking, but they didn't have a certain whatever. Um, yeah. That, you know, really gets me going, so. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what the fuck did we talk about today? <laughs> I think there's some good stuff in there. Might be. Oh, uh, yeah, we got to do an intro. Let's see if we can summarize everything we said today. And, oh, my and... God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. We talked about nine stuff. We talked about uh, and mates. Uh, shit. We covered, we went a wide span. We did some. I mean, people are going to enjoy it. It's just sort of like yeah. slapping a name on it and trying yeah. to figure out what the hell, what did we just talk about? Maybe Go we ahead. could just call it a freestyle, <laughs> freestyle podcast. Yeah, I mean, a freestyle about like, uh, I mean, kind of talking about the three forces, you know, yeah, like affirmation, you negation, and what keeps them together and how like every type we didn't, we didn't, we didn't call, go to all the types. But we, you know, went to the polarities of the top and the bottom of the Enneagram that represent, mm-hmm. you know. Hey, that's a good angle. Yeah. I guess it's recognizing the polarities that exist that exist for all of us and how that could tie into uh, mating choices and well, you know, one way to yeah. one way to say it is polarities, and then the relationship is the third force. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. That's good. Yeah the 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 law of three and like the enneagram is just the law of three, law of three. You know, just yeah, yeah, totally. just this. I mean, so dumb, but like fractal. Just yes in the drug trip or whatever last night like i mean i was like beholding the enneat of heliopolis like the cosmic family that was the enneagram like it was so it was like the i like on the ideal world or something you know what it was mm-hmm. like i could see it and feel it and it was so real so yeah everything i don't know law of three something <laughs> something yeah, yeah yeah i guess you could also say because i was thinking about this the other day how these relationships like you know like the way we're talking about the law of three creates a third force, meaning the relationship. So Beth with me creates, brings out certain qualities in me and I bring out certain qualities in her mm-hmm. and us together is a third force. And then you and Alexandra, you know, creates its own sort of third force where you guys together, it's like doubling down on that introvert thing. So like when we <laughs> met up together and, and, you know, me and, <sighs> me and Beth are, you know, all over the place, uh, dancing everywhere and y'all are just like, in your own little mini zone and, and on the couch, you know? So it's interesting how different relationships bring out different third forces. <laughs> yeah, you know? That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and totally so different. Yeah. In the integration is totally different thing. Yeah. And so I, I do, that's part of the reason why I do think that there is, you know, not to say it's going to be the same for every person who's the same type, but there is a polarity that brings about your ideal third force that the relationship mm-hmm you know, create something in you that you need. Um, mm-hmm. So I know, David, you posted in some thread that you open to being with a three, six, seven, mm-hmm. nine, or whatever else. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, for fun, they're like, there's a lot more options if you're just trying to have fun. But in terms of like a relationship, relationship, it's probably only one or two. <laughs> if yeah, not most. I think there's probably just, there's probably a couple. Um, you know, for some reason, I'm leaning towards three, oddly enough, lately. Yeah, um, and I can see that. Even, yeah, yeah and that could, I could, that could even be, you know, something about my 
whatever life trajectory thing of needing to move towards that energy. Um, yeah. In some way. Yeah. Yeah. You've uh, had a thing with, you know, eight, eight uh, is another one. Three seems to have a, a strong effect on you. I think it's, it's like the type that really just, uh, yeah, it's going to have a transformational effect just being around that type even. And I had to wake up to the fact that that was six for me. Like, I didn't see it coming for six. I just <laughs> didn't expect it, yeah. but it was always there, you know? It was always there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm basically arguing with nines all day online, and it's not a four-nine thing. It's like, of course it's a nine. Yeah, because, I mean, I argued with nines, and at some point I said, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go over here and argue with some sixes. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. I can argue with the six all day. Yeah. But nine's like, I can't do it, man. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, it is a thing. I'd say the same thing, really. Just, nines are nines are the worst. They're actually the worst. And and sixes sixes you can actually have a conversation with, and they're looking for truth. And there's a way in which nines are almost not looking for truth. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> At least sometimes with uh, sixes, they can have a fuck ton of questions, but you can fight with the six. You can argue. Yes. And they're mental type, and and you can sort of play mental jujitsu or chess with them and catch them but it doesn't matter if you do that with a nine because that doesn't fucking matter (laughs) you're hitting a solid force more with a six you know right and with nine when your hand just passes through it's like what did i just do (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah thanks for your thanks for your thoughts i'm gonna keep thinking whatever the fuck i was thinking anyway yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah great point but uh back to what the fuck i was doing (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it's funny so yeah alright well I gotta go alright guys uh, so you're gonna be gone for three weeks yeah till like the 21st okay if y'all, uh, yeah. if y'all wanna recruit uh, a certain little nine uh, hit oh yeah that's a good yeah. idea it's a good idea yeah we'll bring some we'll social some stuff. social juice alright man alright good deal I'll miss you guys and I'll see you when I get back have a good trip later. yeah have fun bye bye okay. bye Let's go.